I then looked up uh, how I can write a limerick about what a what a complete asshole my co-host is, right? I can help you with that. And I was like, what mm-hmm. rhymes with asshole? There's a lot of stuff that rhymes with asshole. So Casserole. we've got all the makings for a limerick for Delma. It's so like I did a little bit of work real fast. We're ready for the next episode with this limerick. I want to challenge both of you to write the best anti-Delma lyric. <laughs> I'm challenging a poet laureate publicly <laughs> to write the best anti Delma limerick. I got this. I got this. I'm not scared of either one of y'all. <laughs> All right? No, you probably want to tattoo that shit to your arms. <laughs> yeah. You know it. You want to have you know the whole it. scroll like down your back. <laughs> What's that? Oh, poet laureate just said that about me. Me, damn it. <laughs> You said, I'm the casserole asshole. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Dive In Justice, the podcast that explores building ideal communities with our less than ideal selves. I'm Shandine Garcia. And I'm Delma Jackson, and today we are super excited to be joined by poet, visual artist, author Kelly Richardson. Um, But before we get into that, I wanted to just take a moment and recognize the fact that our next episode, um, which will be dropping on Friday, July 31st, will be our last episode for season one. And we are looking forward to starting season two around Friday, November 5th. Only two days after my birthday. We wanted to offer such gratitude for all of your support for our journey through season one. We know that we've made mistakes and that Delma's not that smart, but you supported us nonetheless. So thank you so much. As a result, we're going to wrap up season one just the way we started. No guest, just Delma and I talking. I apologize that you have to put up with him, but some of you actually did support him purposefully, so thank you. We'll be talking through what we've learned along the way from various guests, sharing your observations, and answering some of your questions. So this is a chance to engage with us. Make sure you let us know how to pronounce your name, and we will do our best. But please, please email us and ask us questions, leave your comments, because we'd like to highlight your thoughts as well. Hit us up at Delma, D-E-L-M-A underscore D-I-J as in Diving Justice at wholecommunities.org or hit Shandine at Shandine underscore D-I-J at wholecommunities.org and she will do everything she can to make sure she learns how to actually open that email. Won't you, Shandine? I hate you and all you stand for. Mm-hmm. So with that said, um, let's jump into our highs and our lows for the week. Um, Shandane, talk to me. My high today, or rather my high this week, is around transitions. I, as you know, new job, new town, new home, and trying to navigate that space while it is overwhelming is pretty amazing. I know there are issues I'm going to have to contend with, with 
being a homeowner and I know there are issues I'm going to contend with, with my, my sons transitioning into their college lives. And I know my workplace isn't going to be perfect, but the way things are aligning right now is um, Metropolitan Group is, while it is going through its own growth trajectory, I believe is trying to show up to be in right relationship with the current racial reckonings. And it's not perfect, but um, it is working to be a place where everyone can show up to be in their fullest humanity. And that to me is a gift, especially having been in public service for so long and feeling a little bit guilty and leaving and joining private service. But this um, social change agency, even as it's navigating its own journey, in the context of all the isms, I believe in its heart wants to be in right relationship with the earth and with its employees, which is a big deal. And oftentimes at the state, I didn't feel that was the case. So to me, that's allowing me to breathe a little bit easier. And that's a high. As I mentioned earlier, we had the some of the hottest weather ever recorded on record here in the Pacific Northwest. It was 115 degrees. And as everybody else was, I was worried about my family and worried about elders and worried about folks who struggle um, financially to be able to survive the heat. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, days passed, moved on and things got cooler and life went back to quote unquote normal. And then I was reading an article about the impact that this heat had on the animals in water, in the rivers and the lakes and the oceans. And I was, first of all, just felt terrible about that. And then felt terrible that I didn't even think about that. And then Mm -hmm. felt triply terrible that, honestly, I'm a shitty human being. I'm not going to do anything about it. Like, I'd like to think that I was going to do something about it. So here I am in this selfish workplace which is a for-profit company. And I believe I had dedicated my life to social justice. I worry about people and not all these animals, you know, dying in these oceans and rivers. And, and I spent some time thinking about it. And then I went on to my day. Then I went back to my vodka soda, Netflix binging, favorite book reading life in my now air-conditioned home. So my low was... I am a truly shitty human being. Well, okay. So first and foremost, you are a shitty human being, but I don't know if it's because of that. I just want to name that. Why do you feel like you made that decision to like, just acknowledge the decision? Like you've made a decision and you're acknowledging it, right? Like, I'm not going to do shit about this. I have my reasons when I choose not to do shit about certain things. And I'm just curious about yours. We're all connected. I'm an indigenous woman and I need to give a shit about the shit in the fucking water. I need to care about these things and I need to be better. I need to do more. I need to all of those things. So why did I, so I didn't answer your question. Why? Because I'm selfish and lazy. I'm, I'm feeling the need to push back a little bit. No, because you're um, going to try to defend me. It's okay. I get to be a shitty human. You're going to say like. No, no, no. Because no. I've, I've already acknowledged you're a shitty human. <laughs> you got that out the way. But in specifically in regards to this, 
And this is a question I'm asking myself. It's a question I think a lot of us who give a shit ask all the time, right? It's like, what is fair to expect of ourselves? And how many different areas are we supposed to be able to engage simultaneously and not burn out, right? Like there are so many issues. And it's not as though you have not continuously been engaged with all kinds of issues that are important to a lot of people, right? Are you supposed to drop all of those things to make time to like go pour cold water in these rivers and streams? Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> I think, right? okay, so fair. Like can't solve everything. I'm not a martyr, not Mother Teresa, blah, blah, blah. Like I do believe I should have a stronger working knowledge of living beings. I just, I should, I just, I need to. So what could I do? I could learn more. I could read more. I could amplify more voices while also attempting to do the work that I'm doing. Yes. My like petty or my lowest self is, I don't want to. (laughs) I don't want to. Like I I want to sit and read what I want to read and watch what I want to watch. Like I just don't want to, which is mortifying to say, but I just don't want to. I don't want to. You don't trust that there are other people picking up that fight? Oh, no, there are. They're amazing, amazing fighters. Then let them do what they feel called to do and get your nosy ass back to where you're supposed to be, do what you're <laughs> supposed to do, and call it a day. You can't do all the things. You can't. Yeah. All right. What you got? I inspired myself with my own pettiness today. Um <laughs> I was at a coffee shop and um, there was a, I was right in the window. And so I could see onto the street in front of me, there was a a brother, older brother that I've seen around the way for years. And I'm sitting there. Yeah. I'm just, I'm sitting there this whole time, just trying to figure out what it all means, what it says about me, what it says about the way the city has changed. And as I'm contemplating all of this, um, brother gets up and, and goes on his way. So I ain't do shit because <laughs> I'm caught up in my own head about it all the whole time. So then I'm kicking myself for that. Like I just made a whole exercise, right? I did that academic shit where I went all sociologist, anthropologist with it. I ain't do shit. Right. And I took all of that anger out on that white couple that was sitting outside the cafe. You know, like in my mind, somehow all of that is they fault. In terms of my high, it just felt really good to be back out in public and to see humans being humans together again in this area. Um, well, in the state, really, they lifted all restrictions. Um, and so. 99% of the places I've been going to this week have been back full to capacity. People are unmasked. I'm vaccinated. So I know there's a question about whether or not everybody in the room is actually vaccinated or not, but I took the vaccine so I didn't have to worry about that shit as much. So I'm just like, whatever. 
but it's just been good to i forgot how much i missed people are you, you super know. social <sighs> yes and no i love getting out every day but i don't like being out for more than a couple hours at a time like being in public is both really gratifying and fulfilling but it wears me down very quickly too and i want to retreat back into my home yeah i hear that i i don't like people I don't like, like, everyone's all coming out. They're all crowding all these places. And I was like, I like it better when we were all, like, nobody was, was out there. <laughs> like, the opposite response. <laughs> I, but what you said, the, like, liking the intimate spaces, for sure, forever, with your crew of, you know, five or so people. Yeah, but going into a restaurant that used to have one or two, and they're seated far away. I kind of like them seated far away. I don't, like, then I don't have to worry about the shit that I'm saying at my table. But when the whole... <laughs> Oh, fucking right now. I'm like, over here. <laughs> like a ton of people over in the goddamn rat, my favorite restaurant. Like, damn it, I'll just fucking have it delivered. Wow. You're a better human. <laughs> wow. When we come back um, from a short break, we will introduce our guest and get into a conversation with her. I'm excited to have her here. You'll be excited to meet her. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Thank you for giving Dive and Justice a listen. We recognize that your time is the most valuable currency you have. If you're digging the pod, there are a couple of things you could do to show your support. First, head over to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. It just takes a few seconds of your time. And every review helps us grow our listenership and broadens the conversations we can have together. The second thing you can do and should do is consider supporting the podcast by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash dive underscore in underscore justice. Welcome back, everyone. Um, today, we are hella excited to introduce Ms. Kelly Richardson uh, to the show. So thankful to have her here. Miss um, Richardson is a writer, artist, educator, uh, born and raised in Tacoma, Washington. Her work explores the intersection of race, class, and gender with a specific emphasis on themes of love, loss, and longing. As the 2017 to 2019 Tacoma Poet Laureate, Kelly has worked to ensure literary arts are both accessible to and representative of the diversity of that community. Kelly has authored two collections of poetry, What Us Is and The Art of Naming My Pain, both published by Blue Cactus Press. Kelly's work explores the healing power of disruption, reclamation, and joy, as well as the criticality of rage, grief, and chaos. She believes her work has one purpose, to be used as a tool for liberation and healing, sometimes through provocation or confession, other times through belly laughs or tears. Kelly works to center the beauty and power of everyday folk and put some funk into the dread we call survival. She is currently working on an exhibit, Realized which will feature mixed media collage and graphic poetry while exploring the question, what is blackness uninterrupted? 
The works will be featured at the University of Puget Sound in March of 2022. In addition to her art, Kelly serves as leadership faculty and coach at Trek, where she works with leaders from organizations to executive directors to identify roadblocks to their growth and expand their ways of living and leading. Without any further ado, Miss Kelly Richardson. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. That I, that bio, I haven't actually looked through it or heard it, read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of feeling myself right now. You should be feeling yourself right now. Absolutely. You should actually, once you get the pod back, you should just play that part. It'll be my ringtone. It'll just be my ringtone. Yeah. I been wanting to get you on this show since I met you through Muhammad. Um, and got to know a little bit about the work that you've done and the work you're looking forward to doing. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to have a couple conversations with you since then. Um, and your work sounds really dope and I'm cheering for you. But one of the things I always ask every guest is what brought you to this work? Like, how would you describe your trajectory um, into the fields that you find yourself in right now, whether it's the arts or the facilitation work or whatever. Yeah. Um, that is a great question. I think the first thing that comes up in me is I got to a point. Well, I'll start here. I'm a dork, a hardcore seasoned nerd at the root like Mm -hmm. at a cellular level right on and when you're a dork in a family of non-dorks belonging becomes something you just yearn for so there's that Mm. um Mm -hmm. and i've always had sort of this sense of me orbiting outside of every environment i've been in um Whether it was an observer or just an awkward ass goof, which is what I am. I spent a lot of time under coffee tables when I was little. I wanted to sort of be at the party, but not engage with anybody. That is still the case. Um, So there's that of just being a human that liked watching other humans in the world and sort of capturing um, snippets of our humanity. So there's that. Mm. Um, but when I think about the work that I do in terms of particularly writing and, um, coaching and training and just, you know, like the broadest expression of fuckery, I think that I always want to be, I want to support conversations I wish I could have had, um, when I felt my emptiest, when I felt my, Mm -hmm. just this perpetual state of kind of lost in wilderness and like a walking wound, which I feel like I was for a really, really long time. Um, And so I think that's what brought me to writing in particular was just language was the way I made sense of the world or tried to make sense of the world. Um, It was one way my dorkiness really helped me is I read and read and read and read. And that helped me 
put words to my feelings that helped me put words um, to, to the women in my life, trying to figure out why the hell my mama was so crotchety all the time. Um, why the church was supposed to be where I felt um, saved and seen, but I actually felt judged and alienated. Um, so I, I feel like that's what brought me to the work was just, um, well, one, kind of my own homecoming, but two, to be what I wanted, what I yearned for so deeply, um, just trying to show up for folks. And so that, you know, the primary intersections I bring in terms of my identity, aside from being a dork, which with a capital D, um, identify as black, identify as woman, identify as queer. Um, and so there was a lot of, um, performing, I think I felt like I needed to do to feel safety and feel value. And I got to a point where I wanted to pump the brakes on that and just be, um, and I found that to be so liberating and healing that I decided to turn the volume up on it, whether it was on a page, um, or a stage or a classroom. Um, and it still makes me want to vomit pretty much every time I do it, but I feel like that's become an indicator that I need to do something is if I get nauseous. <laughs> is that like nerves? Um, it's like nerves, but I have come to see it as uh, as an affirmation. I mean, as somebody that suffers from anxiety disorder, I have major depressive disorder, I have mental health stuff. And so um, who I am and how I am has always felt like a liability to me. Um, so if, if every time I got nauseous or nervous, I didn't do something, I would, you know, it would, I would just be in traction somewhere. So in order to, to heal and thrive, I had to reframe my body's way of being in the world as an asset. And so when I feel a gut something, um, or my ears get hot or whatever, that's, that's, I take that as a, okay, girl, this is what you're supposed to do. Just take a breath, take a shot, um, pop one of those low key edibles, not like the hardcore shit, but just take the edge off playa so that you can get to the essence of what the universe is asking of you right now. Yeah, I dig it. Yeah. I listened um, to your Tacoma TED Talk about a week, maybe two weeks ago. And it's been, I think it was many years ago. I didn't look at the, the date stamp on it. And the thing that I wanted to ask you about was about your um, relationship with the painfulness of the healing process. And I ask it for my listeners, but I also, for our listeners, but I also ask it personally. I, a lot of what you said resonated so clearly. Even what you said just now, I, I throw up before every major talk, before any public thing. I always, always, I just do. It's mortifying. Um, but listening to you, I'm like, maybe my body's trying to purge something before I get up and speak. Maybe I should have it. And so thinking about as someone who just recently came through a mental health breakdown 
um, and having a new relationship with the concept of healing, not being this like rah-rah massage, wonderful thing, but actually rooted in so much pain. Curious about your relationship with that, with what you talked about then and where you are now in that. Oh boy. I don't really know where to start with that one, but um, the pain part, I think the first thing that popped into my head when you said that was um, there's a writing workshop that I do around reclamation and just sort of reclaiming narrative in service to our healing, whether that's individual or collective. And the quote that I ask that the, that is a prompt is pain gets passed down in the in families until somebody's ready to feel it. Um, and so I don't really know why I got chose chosen to feel it, but I. I feel like I was, and I decided I made the decision to take that on. And so, um, you know, I was thinking about when you once one when you told me you you saw the TED talk, my vain ass immediately was like, "Damn, my hair didn't turn out how I wanted. I really would have liked Shandine to see me with a better afro." And Fuck, that wasn't the greatest shirt choice. God, I hope she doesn't think that I don't have style. It's so sad. This is where my shit goes. You're up here talking about high level shit, actualization, and I'm up here thinking about my damn hair. I'm human. There you go. Um, but I think from the time I wrote that TED talk, or wrote the wrote what I wanted to say, um, to now, I've practiced it way more. When I did it, it was real, but it was still way more aspirational because I hadn't gotten to the more complicated pain uh, that's re- that, that is still required, I guess, for my healing, meaning that um, I feel like now I'm sorting through my mother's stuff, my grandmother's stuff, my dad's stuff, my daddy's mama's stuff, and and, tr- and people I don't know, you know, as the descendant of enslaved Africans, there's plenty of people I don't know and won't ever know. But I know they're still in my cells. And the work I've been doing this year, and you know what, I'll, I'll even start here, Shandine. So in, it's been about three years since I had my own breakdown and had to go to a psychiatric hospital, um, which as a black person, was its own (laughs) saga you know um I could we could do a whole other podcast about my parents coming to visit me there which was like my wife is sitting in the middle of my parents Woo, that was some shit um and there's a dude who loved two chains that was just damn near butt naked the whole time I was in the hospital he's like the backdrop of my parents visiting me in the day room um anyways all that to say I think that the pain is to your point about whether you're throwing up or you're sweating or there is this overwhelming feeling of chaos 
that there is this process of purging and flushing out the wound. So I had used this, the, the metaphor of my sister and her surgery and how when um, her hip was coming back, how painful it was. Um, and that scared me because frankly, my it was, well, it scared me and the petty part of me was actually kind of happy because my sister, my big sister was a bit of a bully. Um, so to see her in pain, I was kind of like, but my higher self now um, can apply that process to healing. Like the pain is critical to the healing. The chaos is critical to the healing. Um, and you have to, you have to like really engage in that, that process of being lost to come home. You know, you got to wander around and sometimes you, you know, I do still feel like I'm a bit of a walking wound, but I'm rather than I, and I think I grew up with this, um, rather than acknowledge the pain and feel the pain, I was resisting it, always resisting, 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 resisting. And until I could accept the pain, until I could trust what the pain was going to tell me, rather than be married to this outcome, be married to the image, be worried about what my Afro looked like on stage. (laughs) Um, I'm now in this place now, I think where I see, I just, I see that it's, it's necessary. Now it's not to say that it's, I feel like the baseline has changed on, um, this, I expect to hurt. Like I got to earn victory. I got to earn rest. I got to earn triumph. I don't think that's the same thing. So I was looking on, um, I think it's, it was Liana Naima who had this post. She had put a great post that was like ancestors. Um, I want to learn through joy and ease now versus pain and suffering. But I think I had to go through my own pain to get to that place of, making room for joy and ease so that I could begin to learn that way. Um, I have no idea if I'm answering your question, but you, okay. you are. Yeah. There's a, a lot there that I would love to, to pull some threads on. Um, and we've been really fortunate to have some really dope guests. And one of the things I always try to do is publicly shame them into agreeing to come back while I have them on the air. So yeah, you'll be coming back. I will. I will. All right, boom. So now I don't feel like I got to get all the things in at once. But um, one of the things I'm always trying to envision with guests and invite them into envisioning with me is this idea of um, connecting reparations to something new. Right? So in my mind, if reparations were to work the way I would want it to, then that means I have access to some fertile soil. It means I'm in community with um, folks who look like me and folks who don't necessarily look like me. It means I'm in community with um, my indigenous brothers and sisters. You know, us as black folk, you know, 
and a bunch of other like-minded folk who might happen to look like whatever, right? But we can build something new and we got the resources for that. If I were to have all of that in place um, and I was like, Kelly, you got to come. We got a spot for you here and money's not an issue. And you could basically do whatever you want to do. What do you see? Right. Conditions being perfect for you. Right. You have everything you need. Resources are not an issue. And you can come in and do whatever to contribute to this this new community we're building together. I'm curious if you can put yourself in that kind of place. What do you perceive or what do you think your greatest calling or contribution to that kind of space would be? What could you bring to that space that you know we need? Well, of course, I'm going to fry fish. I'm going to start there. Well, you're not allowed to come in. I'm not? Without fish. Damn. See? Without Uh, fish and Tito's. And Tito's. Tito's. Okay. So, yeah, I'm going to want to feed people. Literally. And then I would want to feed people figuratively. Um, And I think... I don't know. I think that I'm, I'm, when you ask me that, I'm visual. So um, I'm literally sort of picturing myself walking into this. And my, um, a colleague of mine, she was, she was on her way to her family vacation. And she called me from the airport because she had to tell me that she had this dream of me really happy and blissful and peaceful in this garden. And she's like, you know, I'm and she's going, she's on her way to Croatia, right? So I'm not going to see her for like two and a half weeks. She's like, I had to tell you something told me that I had to tell you about this. And I immediately felt grateful and calm and um, there was this yep I'm doing it right sort of feeling I don't really know why and again trying to not question it too much but when you asked me that I thought about myself in this so called garden um, bringing yes bringing food real food but also like thinking about how can I create conditions for one person at a time um, to do sort of this special brand of their own shit talking and venting and purging. There's nothing like, there's nothing like talking shit or venting about what happened before we got there to this melanated utopia that you're talking about there's nothing like letting that out to give yourself some closure and being a little bit of a spiritual sponge for people I think I have found reward and blessing in that Um, so to hold people in that place um, make them 
a highly spiritually customized cocktail and then write them a poem, roll it up like, like a blunt. <laughs> so it's small enough for them to put in their pocket. So they have something with them. I think, I think that's why I've always been drawn to poetry. I, I hate it when people waste words. Um, nothing annoys me more than an unnecessarily long email. It's like, shave that shit down. Tell me what I need to know and let's move on. Um, but for a long time, like even in college, I would write, you know, my frat brothers would fuck up and I would write things for them to, I would write little love poems for them to get back with their girls. Um, I like doing that. I like helping people find the words that they maybe can't find themselves. Um, them to take with them so maybe i just write some poems i'm not a freestyler you know i love hip-hop but i ain't gonna run no cypher or no shit like that i'm not that gifted or deep but i would love to just be able to engage with one person at a time groups scare me they make me tired but i love the idea of me moving through this community of yours just connecting with folks and um having a little spiritual fist bump. I want to fangirl out um, and ask if you'd be willing to read uh, one of your poems. And you can say, no, I'm not going to do that. We didn't ask you ahead of time. Um, but as I was reading through your stuff, um, embarrassingly, I read out loud how we fall into free probably like five times um, to myself over the past couple weeks. Um just because I, there's something so beautiful in it. And it's very different than going to a, oh, I, was gonna, I got teary eyed. It's so different than going to a YouTube and clicking it and, and hearing you versus, and you can say no, you can say no, Shani, and I'll call you and I'll read it to you another time, but that's fine. Um, I just, I love the idea of waiting for so long to hear a line or waiting for so long to hear someone articulate something out loud. And then once you, you can actually f feel, and I might've said this before in another podcast, I was looking for the thing that said, um, so native American mascots are racist and they're terrible. And when I was younger, people would say things like, well, there are other native Americans who think mascots aren't um, racist. And I, and I didn't have the language to counter it. And when I got to graduate school, reading language that really clearly helped me be able to say and understand and how to articulate what it means to be like colonized bodies and socially constructed, like all of the things. And then I had something to say back in a way that I, I felt I could feel something in me heal. And I definitely felt um, while having you and your words and your, and your what's publicly available for people, um, do that. And I felt it in how we fall into free. Um, so you can say no and, and, and call me and, and read it to me over the, over the phone. But I do want to say that I love it. And I'm curious about what called you to that. Oh boy. Um, well, you guys are going to move with me now because I don't memorize anything. I'm not one of those poets. Before I, I read it, I wanted to um, answer your question of sort of what brought me to write it what drove or inspired it. And I think um, 
and I, I hope I'm not using the word too much, but it really is this, this poem in particular was really about this consistent process, process of homecoming of me really coming to terms with what self-love looks like, um, what self-acceptance looks like. Um, And sort of defining for ourselves, like each individually defining for ourselves what free is. Because I think, you know, some of this shit like self-care and all that shit can just become one more thing you feel bad about not doing right. One, because it gets commodified. And two, it's not really about the fucking pedicure. It's not about, (laughs) it's not about the 90 minute massage versus the 60 minute massage. Um, it's about sort of what your spirit is calling for, what universe is, is calling you to do um, in this very unapologetic way. And so much of my life, I think, has been about pleasing and performing that it became the way I defined my self-worth was whether or not I was doing what people wanted me to do or needed me to do for their comfort, for their needs. And as a Black person, there was just a whole other level to that, that pleasing and other people's comfort sort of became my, my, how I thought of my purpose. And doing that landed me in a psych ward. So I had to really rethink (laughs) what my purpose was um, and what serving myself looked like. So that was how I came to this um, particular piece. And of course, I, while I won't do anything Delma wants me to do, like ever, I will um, read this for you. No doubt you was born free. That your spirit came to the universe free. Because you recognize and crave the promise of freedom in the universe, but quickly recognize the constant flurry of indicators that you are not free. Your living is conditional, a contract you never signed to shave yourself small, vet your life through a sieve that protects the ugly nature of things. The feared don't get to be free. And they are so scared of you because they know they have it coming. So you are told your life is theirs for display and dissection. And one day you forget it was a fairy tale held dear by twisted scripture and rotten hearts. And then one day you decide to call bullshit on the whole blasted racket after spending a long, wistful afternoon in the mirror. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, for that. I want to invite you back into this community again. I want you to put yourself back in the garden for me. Right. We always ask our guests what their petty looks like. Right. If I call you back into the the garden area, but you're having a shitty day, 
what do we have to put up with? <laughs> what? When we collectively roll our eyes, because we love you, you ain't going nowhere. We go, you know, you're still here with us. But God damn it, Kelly. Did you have to do that? Did you have to say that? What is that going to look like? Oh, geez. Well, I mean, honestly, the first thing that, that like, the real, um, fried introvert in me, you wouldn't have to deal with anything because you wouldn't even know I was doing it, but I would know I was doing it, which is writing really mean poetry about all of you. (laughs) I would write limericks. I would write free verse, haikus, judging all of you Uh and cursing Mm -hmm. your ancestors and your grandkids. Like, (laughs) Words can be, I I will weaponize my shit so quickly, especially when I'm fried, I'm put upon. If I'm in a place where I've been hanging out with you, you all one-on-one trying to give my full self and nobody ever asks Kells what she wants. Then I'm an angry black auntie Mm. who's mad that there's no reciprocity in this so-called garden that Delma brought me to. Mm -hmm. I'm going to fry the fish, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sharing it. You're going to smell it. You're going to, you know, you're going to hear me crunching and smacking on it, but I'm not sharing. Um, and if you look hungry, I'll let you know that there's some Cheez-Its um, just past the rose bush, but I'm not offering uh-huh. you none of my shit. Uh-huh. Um, so there's the part that you wouldn't see. I'll get real quiet. I won't be engaging as much. So you'll, you'll come to know, Oh, I see she, I, she writing in that little journal of hers again. I know she's talking shit again. She writing another one of them ugly ass lyrics or limericks. So one, you won't see it Two, I'm not sharing anything anymore. I've cut everyone off. Mm. I have come to understand that I have a much lower interest and I don't like to use the word tolerance because it just sounds so, stank but let's just be real here tolerance might be the right word um i like to engage with my loved ones my homies but i find is a shorter and shorter turnaround until i'm ready to go and if it's my Mm. birthday party shouldn't we shut this shit down when i'm ready Mm. now maybe that crosses from petty to like black kardashian i don't know but I'm just being honest. <laughs> I am a moody motherfucker. I just am. I'm moody. So I would just really appreciate it if people mm. would follow my moodiness. Um, I don't know if that, that falls under the petty umbrella so much as just the, like, you know, pouty poet whose drink is now empty. I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. That feels pretty solidly petty. <laughs> yeah. That's petty than a motherfucker to me. But... Dive In Justice is a co-production of the Center for Whole Communities and Shoreline Consulting. The Center for Whole Communities exists to build capacity at the individual, organizational, and community level to deepen awareness, embrace differences, and value relationships, thus making change possible. Shoreline Consulting co-constructs solutions and strategies that align with your goals 
and leverages the voices, perspectives, and wisdom of those who stand to benefit. For more information on the Center for Whole Communities, find us at wholecommunities.org. For more information on Shoreline Consulting, visit us on the web at thinkshorelines.com. Diving Justice theme song created by Nasir Thomas Jackson. Doug Fairnstein is our audio engineer. Sarah McCandless is our administrative support. Jennifer Cotting and Soraya Yamada Sapien help us out with marketing and promotional support. Thank you all so much. Without your continued efforts, this show would not be possible.